helping men to live their Catholic faith boldly. This is Men of Christ Radio on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. Powerful and inspiring conversations with Catholic speakers and leaders about your family, your parish, your nation, your world, and what you, as a man of Christ, can do about it. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Men of Christ Radio on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. My name is Brian Farley, and I'll be your host for this uh, this week's episode. Very, very excited to have Mr. John Henry Weston, who is the co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSiteNews.com, as our guest. It's going to be a fantastic interview. Uh, it's coming up fast, April 1st, 2017, the Men of Christ Conference. This is our 11th conference, our 11th annual conference, April 1st, 2017, at Milwaukee Theater. Everything's online at Men of Christ. Net. You can go there, you can register, you can get your tickets. I think we're still in the early bird stage, so you can get uh, get them for a little cheaper. Bring your brothers, your friends, your sons, your dads, your every man you know. So that's menofchrist.net. You can learn more about that with our prayer to Our Lady. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Mary, my queen, my mother, I give myself entirely to thee. And to show my devotion to thee, I consecrate to thee this day my eyes, my ears, my mouth, my heart, my whole being without reserve. Wherefore, good mother, as I am thine own, keep me and guard me as thy property and possession. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, we, with that, we are armed and dangerous and ready to go. So we're going to take a quick break and then be back with Mr. John Henry Weston right after these important messages. Looking at term life insurance? Consider life insurance from Catholic Financial Life and see how we put Catholic values in action. To learn more, call Matt Tomlinson at 847-548-MATT. 847-548-6288. All right, we're back on Men of Christ Radio. My name is Brian Farley, and uh, thank you all for joining us. And I'm very excited today because we have as our guest, as we've said, John Henry Weston, who is co-founder and editor-in-chief of of LifeSiteNews.com. Uh, many of you are probably familiar with the uh, the work of LifeSite News. Extraordinary work, really important uh, work. So um, I'm, it's great to have you, John Henry. Thanks for being here. Brian, great to be with you. God bless you and all your listeners. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, I wanted to just ask you, for those who are not familiar with LifeSite News, can you give us kind of a quick primer on, on what LifeSite News is? Sure. LifeSite News is a daily news service uh, covering life, faith, family, freedom. We've been around now for 20 years and uh, basically are uh, very well read, thanks be to God. We have about 60 million page views a year and we're relied upon very heavily by uh, Catholic evangelists, by uh, life and family leaders all over the world to keep abreast of what is happening. We interview the experts to give the best answers to the hardest of questions. So we're there as a resource really for all those fighting the good fight. Okay, and, and so uh, you you founded this, like you said, 20 years ago, 1997, I think it was. Um, That's right. What, what, what were your goals or why did you see a need to, to, to found this? Well, funny enough, it, it really was fulfilling God's will. The, the, the founding of LifeSite News was more about God's call in the lives of myself and my co-founder. Uh, both of us, uh, Steve Jelsevac, that is, and myself, are um, <laughs> reverts to the faith. He actually was a flower child, um, and uh, I was uh, very hedonistic in, in my day. 
Um, he came back to uh, through Curcio, and uh, I through True Devotion to Mary, St. Louis de Montfort's work. Um, but he had been already working in the pro-life movement for uh, some 15, 20 years before I even turned up on the scene. Um, and when I did, my... Uh, my thing was actually I was I was going to be a psychologist. I was two years away from my PhD in psychology, and I had my whole life sort of charted out. But after my conversion, I didn't feel called to go ahead with it. I felt called. Someone in fact approached me to uh, ask a, a pro-life group for work, and it was such an odd thing. I felt called to do it, but it was so odd that the leader of the pro-life movement there thought I was a spy from Planned Parenthood because it made no sense that I was applying there. Um, and basically, I started doing research into the most important relevant information for uh, the fight for faith, life, and family all over the world. And that information was used for a couple of years from about 95 to 97, uh, after which they decided to do a website and they decided to put my little news thing on the website. And that sort of really was the birth of LifeSite News uh, as it is today, because that's the, the fruition of that was the pro-life movement needed another website because everybody was just coming there for the news and they weren't going for you know that. And so we, we separated and became our own entity. Um, and so that's how it started. It really was a call from our Lord in a, in a very real way. Uh, both Steve and I would feel that way because it wasn't something that we had charted out and planned for ourselves. Okay. Wow. And then, and then so I can tell by your, your, your accent, you're, you're Canadian. You guys, you guys are based in, <laughs> based in Canada, yeah. right? Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, but so we, we actually have a, our U.S., our main office now is actually in the United States. It's in Front Row, Virginia. Um, and I would ha I have to say about 70 or more percentage of our uh, readership is actually in the United States as well. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's hugely prevalent uh, in, in my world anyway. So, uh, uh, yeah, very, very international to that extent. So it, you've, you've grown, obviously, over the years. What do you think your, your growth, what would you attribute your growth to? Well, I think we really hit a nerve uh, when we were reporting professionally what the mainstream media would not report. Yeah. We gave sort of the reason behind the faith. We covered news daily so that you know, people doing, for lack of a better word, evangelization could be relevant. They'd have what is going on day by day. Uh, we publish now 15 to 25 stories every day, trying to keep on top of everything that's happening that's pertinent to, you know, our subject areas. And as I said, we interview the best people, have the best arguments, so we're really relevant. We began so early, 20 years ago on the internet is ancient, and yeah. uh, so our credibility has been consistent over the years. Um, our traffic is very, very large. We're probably one of the largest websites that deals with this information in all the world. 60 million page views last year, looking to do better this year. Uh, we have acquired reporters. We have reporters in Rome, in Paris, Mexico, Poland, New Zealand, Australia, all over the United States and Canada. So. It is a, you know, there's good reason for the growth uh, that we've seen because we've really poured our hearts into it. This has never been about making a, a huge conglomeration. It's really an apostolate, and it's an apostolate to serve Christ and his truth. Now, um, you guys have done fantastic work in all aspects of uh, reporting, faith reporting, um, of late. Um, there seems to be a good deal, not just through LifeSite, but other more orthodox Catholic media, reporting on uh, unfortunate problems within 
the Catholic Church, uh, and this is you know very difficult territory for anybody. We're um, this year our our theme for our Men of Christ conference is obedience amid the rebellion, and it's pretty easy to point to the rebellion against God and Church in the outside society, and uh, in other sectors. But the sad reality is there's a good deal of this rebellion within our church and even on higher higher levels and it's a struggle to communicate that as a faithful catholic and you guys walk that line quite a bit um and more and more so lately just because i think i assume that it's because you have to because those things are out there but um what what are some of the more prevalent problems within the Catholic Church at, at this point that, that you're seeing, that you're reporting on uh, f- from your perspective? Right. That's, that's very difficult because I've been reporting on the popes now for 20 years. I had the great privilege of meeting John Paul II and worked very closely with uh, uh, Pope Benedict and various uh, with the Pontifical Academy for Life, uh, people that I worked with and knew and loved for many years. Uh, I had the occasion when he uh, first uh, was elected to uh, meet with Pope Francis, and um, it it is a very difficult thing for us to do what we have to do now, because we are dealing with a difficulty in the church that we've never experienced before at LifeSite, but from the cardinals, the bishops that I've talked to, uh, some of them whom are great historians of the faith, they've told me things like we've never experienced this before in the history of the church, including the Arian heresy, which wow. uh, you might remember is, is a point where you basically had uh, Bishop Athanasius running around trying to save the church and seemingly, you know, as the famous quote goes, the whole world woke up and found itself Arian. Well, <laughs> today we're dealing with a similar thing. We're dealing with even a global confusion on the faith, the basics of the faith people are confused about. I'll, I'll give you some examples. Um, we have the issue of homosexuality. Uh, a lot of people were getting it straight under JP2 and Benedict because the clarity of the teaching came forth. It wasn't a condemnation of gay people. No, it was reaching out in love, telling them that this behavior is harmful for you. And we're willing, because we love you enough, to tell you that this behavior is harmful for your body and for your soul. And we're willing to even have people call, people call us hater and bigot. Uh, but we're still going to tell you out of love, in love, and with love. Right. But now all of that is getting confused. When uh, the Pope himself says on an airplane things like, well, it was a he who was a she but is now a he, and uh, they're married and very happy. Um, He actually said that in a conference in Rome. He was talking about uh, uh, someone who had had a sex change operation, who was born a woman, lived till uh, she was about 20 years old uh, as a woman, then, uh, you know, mutilated herself to make herself look like a man, gave herself hormones to make her grow, uh, um, you know, facial hair and so on. Um, And then the Pope invited them over to the Vatican um, and had them over there. And he said in his conference where he was speaking in Rome that, you know, they, they were married and they were very happy. That is confusing as yeah. all get out for Catholics. How are we supposed to 
get a takeaway from that that's Catholic at all. It was the same thing when he came to the United States. If you remember, um, there was a big hoopla over his meeting with Kim Davis, uh, because Kim Davis, of course, was the Kentucky County clerk who was so heroic in her willingness to stand for the truth, Christ's truth on marriage, that she refused to let her signature stand on, on marriage licenses of yep. homosexuals, and for that went to jail, despite the fact that she had kids, etc. And when the Pope met with her, it was arranged by the nuncio, and when the media went after the Vatican to say, hey, you haven't released any photos of that meeting, where are they? Well, they refused to release the photos. In fact, they refused even to acknowledge the meeting happened. Um, and when finally, after the media started to call Kim Davis a liar, uh, they at least acknowledged that it happened. They still refused to release photos of the meeting, but they actually said, and I'll quote it from you from the Vatican spokesman, the only real meeting that the Pope had was with his former student and his family. And when you look into who the former student was, the former student was Yayo Grassi, uh, a student of the Pope's, yes, who is an active homosexual man who came to meet the Pope with his gay lover. And there's not only photo of the meeting, there's video of it with the Pope embracing Yayo and embracing his homosexual lover. Wow. So this kind of massive confusion is deadly for the church. Um, you know, uh, many of your listeners will probably remember when uh, the Pope gave his comments uh, about cohabitation. CNN ran with it before we could get out the story, and we like to be on top of those things like nobody's business. But as I was still writing it up, because we have the transcript, of course, when it comes out uh, from Rome, um, CNN, you know, headlined with uh, the Pope has called cohabitation fine. And the quotes were about, you know, a, a place in northern Argentina that he knew about uh, where the men were sort of afraid to marry. And he said basically that cohabitation in those cases is real marriage and has the grace of real marriage. And I kid you not, I, I had a call from my daughter who's at college um, yeah. and said to me, Dad, is it true the Pope said cohabitation is real marriage and has the grace of real marriage? Yeah. yeah, I can't lie to my daughter, but this is the kind of uh, harm in the church today that we've that has rocked the church to its core. And it's it's painful because I'm in the exact same situation you are. I have uh, you know a daughter in college, another in high school, and we've you know tried to raise them Orthodox Catholic. Here's the teaching. It's very clear. It's very explicit. Uh, you know, we're tempted one way, but the truth is another sometimes, and that's, that's you got to do the truth. And then when these kind of things come out, it's really, really harmful and very, very difficult <laughs> because everything's already working against us anyway. And then when your own uh, hope or leaders are, are feeding that confusion, it's uh, it just it really pulls the rug out from underneath parents and, and, and everybody else. Uh, and I don't, I don't understand it. It's it's uh, very disconcerting. And I, but it really, I mean, I, I think there are many elements probably within the media, certainly the Catholic media, who would say, well, then therefore you shouldn't write about those things because um, it just upsets people. But um, I imagine you're 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 faithful to the truth is, is your mission. Well, absolutely so. And and the gravity of the situation requires that. Catholics know what's going on because the most important thing we can do about this situation is to pray. And if we don't know the gravity of the situation in the church right now, 
we're not going to be on our knees and fasting the way we need to be. This is the most grave time for uh, Catholics. I guess I can put it to you this way. If it's bad that there is nuclear war because you have millions of uh, bodies at stake, what happens when there is a spiritual war that puts eternal confusion into the mix and threatens millions of souls? If we're actually here on earth to get to heaven, if really this is about uh, arriving at you know, taking care of our spiritual soul more than concerned, being concerned about our physical bodies, then isn't it true that this might be like a time of nuclear war? And so the kind of prayer and earnest begging God to intercede that we'd be doing in a case of war, we should be doing now in case in, in the face of this spiritual war. Yes, and that's, that's terrifying stuff, but... Um... It, it brings to mind, um, you know, in, in preparation for our talk, I was going through a lot of the articles on LifeSite.com, and um, your uh, co-founder, Steve, whose last name I can't pronounce, was it Jabalsik? Jalsabak. Jalsabak, all right. Uh, did an article, it was called The Surprising Real Reason for the Hate Against Donald Trump, which, okay, it's a very involved article. Um, but he ends it with a, a quote um, from John Paul II, uh, who was at the time, it was 1976, he was still Cardinal Otia at that point, but it, it, it calls to mind something of what you're saying here. Um, he said, we are now standing in the face of the greatest historical confrontation humanity has ever experienced. I do not think that the wide circle of the, of the American society or the whole wide circle of the Christian community realize this fully. We are now facing the final confrontation between the church and the anti-church between the gospel and the anti-gospel, between Christ and the anti-Christ. And again, this was 1976, so well before uh, uh, Pope Francis, but this, I, in my my mind, and I think I'm hardly alone on this, this is part of the post-Vatican II evolution or devolution, in a sense, of, of um, situations in the church and uh, it seems to really be coming to a head now. And I, you know, I know my personal experience was raised Catholic, went to Catholic schools, uh, beginning in like 1971. So right at the beginning of the whole hippie church thing, as I, as I call it. So clarity was never a big thing. And I was usually always under Jesuit uh, education. So again, uh, there wasn't much clarity. So I kind of, by the time I was a grown man, I had really little use for the faith because I, it didn't serve any purpose. It was just kind of silly. Um, and then I've gained clarity through John Paul II, through Benedict, and many other uh, factors, you, you know, sites like yours. Uh, you just learn so much, and it makes the faith something beautiful and something you want to embrace. But now we have, again, this influx, this massive influx of lack of clarity and confusion at a time when very few people really have a very strong hold on the faith uh, to begin with. And it's, it's yeah, I, I, you're... you're uh, analogy of a nuclear war is quite quite accurate. I think it's uh, it's it's less than helpful to put it uh, mildly. Well, let's uh, let's remember JP two was um, an incredible not only fan of Fatima. He attributed you know his life to Our Lady of Fatima after the right. shooting, and we had a revelation only a couple of years ago 
from Sister Lucia. Uh, it was, I believe it was Cardinal Cafara or one of the cardinals that revealed in a letter from Sister Lucia that he received. She described exactly what John Paul II said there in that quote you read from the 70s. Um, she said, Our Lady told her that the final battle between our Lord and the reign of Satan would be over marriage and the family. Yeah. And if that's not what we're living now, then nothing will be. Remember, at Fatima, she predicted in 1917, she said, more souls go to hell because sins of the flesh than for any other reason. And Sister Lucia was very specific. That was sins of impurity. Our Lady added, fashions will be introduced that will offend my son very much. Woe to women lacking in modesty. Those words are so prophetic. Not for 1917, not even for the swinging 20s, but today when we have near universal addiction to what normally was called pornography and now is like light, whatever, whatever. It's not hardcore, so it's nothing. But yeah, you know, we are dealing with that fight that was predicted in 1917 today. Yeah, and it's it's chilling to hear that, but it's it's exactly it. You know, marriage and the family and the the understanding of the human person. Um, all of this is being thrown into question. These things that never were questioned, uh, even it, really at any point in, in human history, let alone church history. And so, to your earlier point of uh, that, we've never experienced anything like this before ever uh, is really kind of daunting because I, I, <laughs> I don't know that there are many circles that are intellectually up to the, the challenge that's being being placed here. And uh, I, you know, I, your heart goes out too. You guys had a, uh, an exclusive interview with Cardinal Zen in China. Um, and he uh, he's fighting this the whole situation for people who don't know. In China, they have the what is it? The Patriotic Catholic Church, which which is just a government approved uh, Chinese Communist government approved version of the Catholic Church, which is not the Catholic Church at all. And then there's a whole underground church of of persecuted Christians. You know the the, the standard uh, people living under the the, the foot of uh, the oppressors. Um, and so Cardinal Zen is trying to represent them. But at the end of your uh, article, he says, uh, uh, I have the principle that I would never publicize, criticize, publicly criticize the Holy Father. Uh, so if a bad deal is made, I will be silent. Until then, uh, he will, I'll loudly oppose it. it the, the situation is that the uh, Vatican is apparently going to make a deal with the uh, Patriotic Catholic Church of China. And... Um, kind of ignore the underground church, the authentic church. And Cardinal Zen, the point I'm trying to get to, is he attributes this to naivety in the, in the case of, of the Pope. I, I don't know. Do you, is this naivety or is this a kind of agenda that he's, he's enacting, do you think? Well, here's the thing. Under Pope Benedict, there was a commission that dealt with China, that worked with Cardinal Zen, who knows the score. You have to remember, in China, faithful bishops and faithful priests are jailed. So we're talking about a communist regime that actively persecutes the faith. And there was a whole commission under Benedict that was dealing with it appropriately and trying to work for freedom for Catholics in China. Yet that commission was abandoned uh, as Cardinal Zen told us, when uh, Pope Francis came on the scene. And now uh, Cardinal 
Zen describes the people dealing with this, advising Francis on this, as very, very bad, um, and as basically throwing in the towel to the massive detriment of the faithful Catholics. The underground Catholics who are persecuted, um, they are being asked by the Vatican to allow uh, priests from the patriotic church to join their services and when they do lo and behold they get ratted out and the, the priests from the underground are, are never seen again and things like this happen they're literally being sold out and so this is what Cardinal Zen is warning about it's, it's extreme he said to us he met with the Pope for 40 minutes and thought the Pope agreed with him but then saw nothing and then continued to write the Pope and has received no responses um, you know Cardinal Zen is a heroic man who is fighting for the life of his fellow Catholics who suffer under the communist thumb in China and they're not being supported this is a tragedy but it's playing out the Holy Family as Catholic Bookstore is blessed with the opportunity. Situation. ...is your okay. local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers, Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. Want an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MATT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. Hello, I am Bishop Don Hying from the Diocese of Gary, Indiana. Catholic Radio has a remarkable reach into the minds and hearts of all sorts of people who may not be going to church, who may not have any other connection to learning about the faith. I know so many people have grown in the Catholic faith because they listen to Catholic Radio. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. We're back on Men of Christ Radio. This is Brian Farley, your humble host, and I'm uh, thrilled to be joined by John Henry Weston, who is co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSiteNews.com. And uh, we're talking about a lot and a difficult conversation, really, about uh, problems within our beloved church. And again, I know for many people, this is hard to hear, hard to talk about. Um, and some people may think, oh, well, you're being disrespectful, sacrilegious, what have you. Not at all. Uh, we are trying to deal with re realities within uh, the, the church and the intersection of our church and the culture and 
difficult situations, which an organization like LifeSite does a fantastic job of exposing and analyzing and, and discussing. And it's critical that we have this as Catholics, that we understand the realities of the situation, of the, of the spiritual war we're in. And that war affects everything, uh, our society, obviously, but uh, ourselves and, and our church. So we can't ignore it. We have to look at it. And there are some painful realities, and particularly acute these days, uh, which is what we're talking about. And um, one kind of key lightning rod figure in all of this is our very good friend at Men of Christ and most Catholics, uh, good Catholics in Wisconsin, love uh, Cardinal Raymond Burke. Uh, he's a Wisconsin boy. He's got this fantastic uh, sh shrine uh, to Our Lady of Guadalupe and La Crosse. If anybody hasn't been there, you should go. It's it's fantastically beautiful. Uh, and he's just such a rock-solid spokesman for for the, the catholic faith uh, i've seen him speak he, he confirmed my daughter last year in rome i mean we, we love the guy so this man has endured a great deal of uh, not abuse but uh he just has not been treated well by the vatican in, in, under uh, pope francis and um particularly over uh well it started with uh, his demotion and then over uh, morris Leticia, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but uh, anyway, I've got some articles here, uh, John Henry, but instead of rambling on, what's some of the, your experience with the, the whole Cardinal Burke, Pope Francis uh, drama going on? Right. Well, first of all, I mean, he was removed um, rather unceremoniously from uh, the post as really one of the top men in the Vatican. He was the head or prefect of the apostolic signatura, which is the highest court in the church. You might say he was the church's supreme court justice, um, chief justice, in fact. Um, and then he was removed not to another post, active post as part of the curia, actually was given the position of the cardinal patron of the Order of Malta, which is a sovereign order uh, that's about a thousand years old, and they basically serve as a, well, often as a charitable organization as well. Um, and what they, you know, what that was, was basically a representative to that organization of of the Vatican. And so it was quite the demotion. It was not like, you know, he was still in a big position. It was sort of a figurehead position. Um, and even there, though, uh, problems have arisen because uh, you might have heard of this whole uh, Knights of Malta scandal of late. Yeah. Well, the scandal is all about one thing. For years, the organization had been scandalously, uh, through their charity arm, um, handing out contraceptives. And uh, the man who was responsible for this uh, was approached several times about it. And eventually, um, you know, Cardinal Burke was sent some research about it, and the order had done their own internal research about it. The research proved beyond any shadow of a doubt that, in fact, this scandal was going on. And so the head of the order then, uh, Fra Matthew Festing, uh, in the presence of Cardinal Burke, had asked for the man responsible, Albrecht von Böselager, to resign. And uh, Böselager refused, and then um, uh, Grandmaster Festing um, dismissed him from the order. And then you'd think 
basically that was end of story because there was a scandal going on. The Pope had actually met with Cardinal Burke back in November to discuss it. And, uh, you know, he actually sent him a letter December 1st to Burke uh, saying that Burke should deal with, uh, Cardinal Burke should deal with uh, this contraceptive scandal. Um, Cardinal Burke then deals with it via assisting or supporting uh, the Grand Master in his actions. And then what happens, but the Vatican intervenes to not only um, undo the dismissal of Unbozalaga, but actually to dismiss the Grand Master, uh, which is an oddity that involves sovereignty, which I don't even want to get into here. But the way it looks like is they, the guy who dealt with the contraceptive scandal was punished with a firing and the Pope reinstated the guy responsible for the contraceptive scandal to back to his position in the order, in fact, giving him more power in the order, and at the same time appoints uh, basically another visitator for the Vatican, in other words, another papal representative, kind of making Cardinal Burke's role uh, at the Knights of Malta uh, de facto gone or, 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 or redundant. Wow, wow. And... and... <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to speculate. Uh, you don't either, I'm sure. But uh, motivating this is this, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but is this the, the Cardinal Burke's um, opposition to, or request for clarity in Amoris Laetitia? Or, um... Well, that's, that's definitely been a sore point for uh, Pope Francis. I mean, y y you can tell that uh, in if you look at Pope Francis's homilies, uh, you will often get a good idea of what he is thinking, because he tends not to say anything publicly. Uh, he has his emissaries say things publicly. So, for instance, you heard uh, one of the um, spokesmen, or not, not official spokesmen, but one of the cardinals and the bishops and so on pipe up and say, you know, who do they think they are? They can lose their hats. There was talk over a time that Cardinal Burke could lose his cardinalate, um, after which Cardinal Burke told us in an interview, and I just love this, that, you know, he, he basically cares not anything about losing any title that he may have. What he really cares about is how he's going to answer our Lord when he meets him as to what he did to preserve his truth. Right. It was so beautiful. But what, you know, basically has happened uh, is that this has caused great consternation on the part of Pope Francis. You'll read in his homilies how he is always condemning the uh, doctors of the law, uh, how he's saying they are rigid. How he's saying the rigid are not Catholic, but heretics. How he says they're fundamentalists and compares them actually to terrorists. Um, those are the types of things you'll see in his homilies over and over and over again. And I guess the, the difficulty is, while he might be making commentary on the likes of Cardinal Burke, with whom he has a fundamental disagreement, that kind of thing actually rubs off on a lot of the faithful as, as well, especially young people. Yep. Uh, and I think this is the, the rather sad thing. He talked, in fact, even about young people who like the traditional mass as having a, a problem with rigidity and maybe psychological problems. Yeah. Those kinds of things are deadly, probably far beyond what the Pope thinks. If he's trying to perhaps, you know, get back at Cardinal Burke or, you know, Cardinal Cafaro or some of the other cardinals and make these kind of jabbing commentaries, they unfortunately rub off on a lot of young people who love the faith, who want to die for the faith. 
And here they hear their Holy Father, the vicar of Christ on earth, slamming them as rigid and perhaps in need of psychological help, which is exactly the kind of thing they get anyway from right. their friends out in the world who bash them for being rigid, uptight, you know, belonging to a different century, in need of psychological help. It's exactly the same language. Right. Um, so, you know, we need not only uh, nerves of steel in this. This is why I said before, um, prayer and fasting is, is required right now, especially by parents of young people whose the, the threat to our children's faith is massive right now, both outside but also inside the church. And so if we're not praying every day for Pope Francis, we are not doing our duty as Catholics today. That's an excellent point, and yeah, prayer and fasting, um, make it as strong as possible, and uh, I'm doing all right on the prayer. I could use a little work on the fasting, So I'll, uh, but this is a very good call to action, and your point about discouraging young people, particularly Orthodox young people, is, is really poignant. Um, we have here in Milwaukee, uh, St. Stanislaus Oratory, which is a fantastic church, and they've uh, reinvigorated the Latin Mass, and they've remodeled the church and brought it back to its pre-60s glory, and uh, just a great group of people there, and they've got lots of young people there. You go to Mass, and, and it's, you know, it's sometimes hard to hear because there's so many babies and young families and everything else, but it's beautiful. And it's just thriving, and the, the young women are wearing, you know, the, the chapel veils, and, and the men are dressed well, and it's it's such an experience of reverence, and it's multi-generational, and it's just fantastic. And anything that uh, diminishes that from within the church is really heartbreaking. The, the, the stuff on the outside of the church only emboldens it, so that's almost fine, but it's when it's within the church, this kind of thing, it's it's heartbreaking, and it's, again, as a parent of young people, it's terrifying, because it's hard enough, and I don't really know what I'm doing, and, you know, we try, but we need all the help we can get, and um, this kind of thing doesn't help, and, and so, you know, I, I know I crave clarity, uh, part of that mental illness, I'm sure, that I have, but I crave clarity, moral clarity, and many others do, and that brings us back to, you know, uh, Cardinal Burke and the uh, the four cardinals who wrote to uh, Pope Francis with it, it, within, it, yeah, I'll, I'll just rough it and you can explain it more thoroughly, but, uh, you know, within church uh, rules, here's our, our four questions reduced to a yes or no answer. Um, uh, your uh, Pope, can you please answer these yes or no? And he just flat out refuses to answer them. And I guess I haven't seen the latest on that. I think Colonel Burke said they may have to go to formal correction. I'm not sure what that involves. Well, it is true that, you know, the dubia were basically put out earlier in the process. So we had for two years this back and forth in the church over uh, the synod process, which was all about uh, you know, the question of divorce, remarried communion, but also communion more generally, the attitude towards divorce, what does it mean? But this is a deadly concept because this is where our Lord was super specific. Our Lord actually didn't say much about homosexuality. He right. referenced Sodom and Gomorrah, but you know what? He didn't say anything about it specifically in his own words. But on this moral issue, on divorce and remarriage, he was extremely clear. 
He talked about if you marry a woman who's put away, you commit adultery. If you marry a man who's put uh, who, who's left his wife, you commit adultery. He said even if you look at a woman with lust, you commit adultery in your heart. So he's been super specific on this issue. If the church can twist Christ's own words, then everything is fair game. And that's why this is so deadly and so important. Um, and Cardinal Burke, Cardinal Kafar, and the others only wrote to get this clarity because with this move, with this so-called idea that seemed to be uh, apparent in Amoris Laetitia, but not so apparent because it was mostly spelled out in a footnote, um, they thought this is a grave danger for the faith. It's a grave danger because we're dealing with mortal sin, not with venial sin, so we're threatening people's eternal salvation. So you need clarity, and this is what the Pope is to bring. There is a corollary. There is an, uh, this is exactly the same as what happened back in the 60s. For two years, they deliberated on contraception in the 60s, and then finally came the clarification with Humanae Vitae. And yeah. so you had the Pope finally defined, but there was a huge period of confusion. And you know, as this process was going on back in 2014-15, I made that comparison because I said, oh, this is deadly, we're doing the same thing. And that confusion that lasted two years back in the 60s caused problems that last till today. Yeah, yeah. With most women who call themselves Catholic and their husbands agreeing, of course, practicing contraception now because of that confusion that was allowed to fester for two years. And then finally came clarity. But here in this situation, we have the two years of debate and no clarity on the end. And then it starts to get more, not only more confusing, but more troubling for the faith. And this is what I'm referring to. We have a Morris Letizia, no clarification. We have the cardinals come out and ask for clarification. We, in fact, we had you know thousands of priests asks as well, uh, and uh, 45 theologians do a separate ask. All of those things unanswered, nothing to look at. However, yeah. it is maybe fair to say that there is an answer that's sort of been given, and that's this. And unfortunately, it's on the other side. It's as if the Pope in the 60s said yes to contraception, because the answer seems to be yes to the impossible thing, which is divorce, remarried communion. And the yes has come this way. There was a signed letter by Pope Francis in response to uh, Buenos Aires area bishops that proposed that liberal uh, understanding of Amoris Laetitia that divorce remarried communion is a possibility in certain cases where they feel in conscience it's okay. You then had, and you have his signature, Francis' own signature on the document saying that that's allowed. In fact, in his words, it was, this is the only interpretation. Then beyond that, and by the way, we got that letter originally leaked, and then it was put on the Vatican's own website, so we knew it was true. We, we had yeah. actually had it listed before. But anyway, you had the Maltese bishops do the same thing. You had the German bishops do the same thing. And both of them, when they did their thing to the liberal interpretation, the one that's heretical, according to Cardinal Burke and all of the churches and teaching and the popes before Francis... Both the Maltese decision and the German decision were published in the Observatory Romano right away, the, the Vatican newspaper. But also, just last week, Cardinal Coco Palmerio, the head of the Interpretation for Le Legislative Texts in the Vatican, releases a book with a press conference, uh, which he, he couldn't attend, but nonetheless, there they talked about how this 
liberal interpretation. His, in fact, in his explanation, went beyond even divorce, remarried communion and talked about how even cohabiting couples could do this. But he talked about this uh, and at the press conference. It was presented as the authentic position. So you are seemingly getting an answer, not albeit from the Pope himself, except in that one signed thing, but it wasn't, you know, you can't make the direct thing. Uh, he didn't stand up and say, this is it. Uh, but you are sort of getting an answer, but it's the answer that's impossible for Catholics to accept. And that's why people are talking today about schism. The church is supposed to be universal. The church, universal, Catholic actually means universal, but that's because the moral laws of God can't change from one side of a border to another. So right. the moral insanity we have today with Germany saying, oh yeah, divorce, remarriage, communion, oh, it's totally possible, and across the border in Poland they're saying, no, that's a mortal sin, you go to hell. How can you call the church universal if that's the case, which is the case today? Well, <laughs> this is, you're not making me feel any better, but uh, is this is Big, big stuff. Uh, a lot going on. All right. Well, we're going to have to take a little break here. Uh, so we'll do that. And then we'll have a couple more uh, quick questions for John Henry Weston of LifeSite News uh, about our church and uh, the world. So please stick around on Men of Christ Radio, WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. We'll be right back. Hello, I'm Bill Wennington from the Church of St. Mary's and the Chicago Bulls. I, I believe Catholic Radio is important for all of us out there listening to help us through days when maybe our faith is being challenged by many different obstacles that are put in our way. And it's a chance to reflect and just think and hear stories from other people that maybe are going through the exact same issues that we are going through and how they have struggled and how they are getting through their problems today. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at WSFIRadio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. What kind of shape is your soul in? I'm inviting you to consider making a weekend of spiritual exercise. We're talking a retreat with the Lord, prayer, meditation, quiet, and beautiful Barrington at the Bellarmine Jesuit Retreat House. Come check out the possibilities at JesuitRetreat.org. That's J-E-S-U-I-T Retreat.org. Come to the quiet so the quiet can come to you. Looking at term life insurance? Consider life insurance from Catholic Financial Life and see how we put Catholic values in action. To learn more, call Matt Tomlinson at 847-548-MATT. 847-548-6288. WSFI is on social media. Follow us on Twitter at WSFIFM. And like us on Facebook by searching for WSFI Catholic Radio.
back with John Henry Weston on Men of Christ Radio on WSFI 88.5 FM. And we're talking about uh, problems within our beloved church. And there are many of them. John Henry, I think we only have a little bit of time left. I guess we've talked a little bit about this, but but with all these problems, what are the, the, the sources of it? I um, On your site, of course, I found an interview or a review of an interview with uh, Pope Emeritus Benedict when he talked about, uh, I think just last year, um, the deep crisis facing the church post-Vatican II. And he talked about what I, I guess I would agree, not that it matters that I agree, but I think he's, it resonates true with my experience, that uh, what's been eliminated from Catholic teaching for about 50 years is the idea of um, the loss of eternal salvation and uh, the idea of, of hell. Um, I'll just quote Benedict here. He puts it better than I do. But he says, uh, the missionaries of the 16th century were convinced that the unbaptized person is lost forever. After the Second Vatican Council, this conviction was definitely abandoned. The result was a two-sided deep crisis. Without this attentiveness to salvate to the salvation, the faith loses its foundation. And I've certainly found that to be true. I know growing up as a kid, you know, in a nice suburb, happy life, um, the whole idea of salvation just seemed bizarre to me like well salvation for what everything's fine well what are you talking about and then you know when you become an adult you're like oh and I'm, I'm not supposed to do this and i'm not supposed to do that why not well what's going to happen nothing there's no hell there's no consequence why wouldn't i i don't know why the church doesn't seem to understand that this is so utterly destructive and i guess i'm trying to formulate i, I think this is part of what's motivating this whole ball of trouble we're in right now is this this pulling out from under the church it's very foundation it's very reason for existence is there anything to what i'm saying well absolutely so that is one of the underlying problems right now and it's been a problem in the church for a long long time um the the thought uh, that even uh, I know it was by very famous theologians, uh, you know, even von Balthasar spreading the idea that perhaps there's a hope of an empty hell. Uh, this is a very dangerous thesis, and I, we don't have time to get into the theology of it, nor am I really qualified to do it. But just it, very simply, our Lord himself said that narrow is the way that yep. leads to salvation and broad is the path that leads to destruction. Our Lord's words. Our Lord also uh, tells us of Judas that it would have been better for him that he not been born. How then can he possibly be in heaven? So it doesn't make sense, this, uh, this theory, which is very popular and which, which is what uh, Pope Benedict there was talking about. Um, and there's another difficulty with it because it has a, it has a, an associated problem that we've also been dealing with for 50 years, and it's it's an idea that we have actually in 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 conservative politics as well, and that's the idea of oh let's 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 have a big tent. Yeah, well, actually, yeah. Christ wasn't about that at all. In fact, he he stressed so much that we need the purity of faith to enter heaven so in order if you actually love your brother if you actually care about him you will tell him that he's off on something and if he's unwilling to accept the truth separate yourself from him so that 
he gets to know the truth. That was the whole point of excommunication. Excommunication isn't to kick people out, as St. Paul called it. You turn him over to Satan so that his body might be tried in order to save his soul. The whole point of separating ourselves from our brethren who refuse to accept the fullness of the faith once the church has gone to them is so that they will come back to the faith because it means everything. And so this idea of, oh, well, we have to have a big broad tent in the church and the bishop should really walk up the center aisle so that each of his, the fringes of his garment touch the left and the right because we're all one big happy family is nonsense. It's insanity for the faith and it is deadly for the church. So yes, absolutely, you're right there that uh, this problem of the de-emphasis of the reality of hell um, is, is really crucial. But you know, in, in all of that comes actually the solution to this whole crisis. And isn't it interesting that this year we celebrate the 100th anniversary of Our Lady of Fatima. Mm -hmm. Our Lady of Fatima is the key to the solution of this crisis. In fact, remember what she did, the most stupendous miracle known to man since Christ's own resurrection and ascension into heaven was done a hundred years ago this year. It was a public miracle witnessed by over 75,000 people recorded by communist newspapers who are really out to discredit the church, yet they reported, which can be seen today if you go to your libraries, um, of this incredible, unbelievable miracle. And why? What for? What were her visions? Well, her vision, number one, was about hell. Our Lady said to the children, showed them the vision of hell. They said they would have died of fear had she not promised they'd taken to heaven first. And it was only second, a second or so long. And she said to them, this is hell where the souls of poor sinners go. And she said, then again, more people go to hell because of sins of the flesh than for any other reason. They saw souls in hell. So Our Lady through this great miracle, chose, first of all, to emphasize the reality of hell. You had more from there that is the solution to the crisis. And she called for a few things. Um, and this is what I think is really, really the key of what we need to do uh, as men, as, as people, as families, uh, is to respond to the requests of Our Lady. The first requests were for prayer. She said specifically the Holy Rosary daily and devotion to the brown scapular. Every Catholic should be praying their rosary daily and wearing the brown scapular, consecrated uh, to the brown scapular, enrolled in the brown scapular. The second thing she asked for was reparation for the sins and outrages perpetrated against God's grace and the blasphemies against the holy hearts of Jesus and Mary. And that's the first five Saturdays. Uh, if if you're, you haven't heard about that yet, go look it up online. The first five Saturdays devotion, it's basically going to Mass on the first five Saturdays of the month in reparation for the sins committed against the two hearts. And then finally, she talked about consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Uh, she asked for everybody to make that consecration. This is the great de Montfort consecration to Mary, or as Pope John Paul II called it. Um, it is essential to those who wish to give themselves fully to the work of Christ and redemption. And that devotion to uh, the consecration to Our Lady is really a, a daily practice for myself ever since my uh, conversion back now uh, many years ago. Um, but it is really, and, and Our, Our Lady also called, of course, for the consecration of Russia. Uh, and that is something that 
uh, our John Paul II wanted to do so very badly. We had a, an amazing interview with uh, the former exorcist of Rome before his death, uh, Father Gabriel Amorth, was just huge in the church for many, many years. He, in fact, founded the uh, Society of Exorcists, and um, he, in an interview with us, uh, talked to us about how he was with JP2 the day of the 1984 famous consecration of the world to Our Lady Fatima, and he explained the Holy Father was begging his entourage every day uh, during that lead up to that, and even that day, to be able to mention Russia. And they always said he couldn't mention Russia because it would be such an offense against the uh, Russian Orthodox. Uh, and yet today you have the Russian Orthodox growing more and more in love with Our Lady, and more and more perhaps even wanting for a, a consecration of Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So that kind of a thing can happen again. Every time Poland consecrated itself to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, they had greater and greater miracles. Maybe one day soon we'll see uh, the consecration uh, exactly as Our Lady asked for. And because she did, in fact, promise with that would come a period of peace for the world. And, uh, you know, we've been experiencing, you know, here and there wars since 1917, and they got only worse and worse and worse. One of the real trials of Russia, uh, one of the re real errors spread by Russia that many people don't think about is abortion. Abortion began in Russia, and it has been exported throughout the world. So, yes, it's been communism spread throughout the world, but also abortion, costing over a billion, that's with a B, lives in uh, in these many years oh. well that um yeah that puts it all into quite a context and a historical context and also it gives a very uh hopeful uh conclusion to all this because one of my questions was going to be is is yes what can faithful catholics do about all this and i, I you just answered that you know uh listening to our lady of fatima and the, praying and the, the first saturday's reparation the consecration to mary does the uh, 33 days to consecration uh would that that counts right <laughs> well, that, that counts it's a it's a great little book uh it is an easier way if you will i guess a lot of people uh find perhaps de Montfort's own words somewhat antiquated and hard i i love them they've been my yeah, devotion for yeah. some years, decades even but i think that um, you know, uh, 33 days to morning glory. They're all the same thing. They're based on exactly the same thing. In fact, even the Legion of Mary and, and uh, a lot of the Marian devotion, they're all based on the same material. Um, it is such a gift and it is a beautiful way to live out your life. You don't, you know, the practice of the devotion is such that you give yourself wholly to Mary and she gives her heart wholly to you so that you can present her heart to her son right and to me that's just the most incredible thing here you go Jesus here's the heart of your mother instead of mine I, there's a beautiful prayer de Montfort recommends before Holy Communion and it says father behold not me but behold the handmaid of the Lord who gives me a singular confidence with thy majesty and to me that's what the whole devotion is about that's uh, that's beautiful. I I, it's a, I do a morning uh, offering and uh, it's similar, you know, 
um, but the joining yourself to the, uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary and uh, all my thoughts, works, and actions uh, are devoted to her that she can take them and then present them to our Lord. And it's it's a way of, to put it crudely, increasing the value of my menial efforts for the greater glory of God. And she'll take them and make them beautiful and then offer them to Christ. And uh, I, I, I love that concept it's it's very very catholic it's also very very just edifying that you can you know you you can have value and and impact uh it is imagine imagine a great king before you whom you have to appear and you come and you've got in your pocket this your greatest possession it's an apple it's been sort of a little bit bitten out of there's a worm and it's kind of dirty (laughs) but that's all you have yeah well the queen mum who loves you takes the apple peels it gets the best part, cuts them up, puts them on a golden plate, and then hands them to her son saying, here, this is a gift for you, son, from our cherished little child over there. Yeah, yeah. This is, heaven is all about simplicity, and we are like little children, and they treat us with such love, and it's all extended to us. We have merely to be faithful, and we know that we have the grace to be faithful, even in the hardest of times, and take Our Lady's hand. It's the easiest, most direct path to the heart of her son. Amen, amen. And this is beautiful, and I, I, I want to end it there because it's just such a, an inspiring uh, place, to, place to end. So, um, John Henry Weston, uh, thank you so very much for joining us today, and moreover, for all that you and your, your staff at LifeSite do. You guys do fantastic work. You're, you're helping so many Catholics to uh, gain clarity and just be in touch with what really is going on in the world and in the church. And uh, God bless all of you. Um, and again, thanks so much for being with us today. Great to be with you, Brian. God bless you all. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Men of Christ Radio. Uh, we really appreciate it. And again, April 1st, 2017 is uh, the main conference. March 31st, 2017 is the Young Men's Conference. You can see Jesse, you can see Dr. Scott Hahn, you can see Jason Everett in person. Uh, Very, very inspiring, very, very powerful experience for men. So please avail yourself of it. Go to menofchrist.net to register for the conference. Uh, We always end our show with the prayer to St. Michael. So if you'll join me right now, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, St. Michael, the Archangel. Defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, everybody. Well, thank you very, very much for listening. We'll be back again soon on Men of Christ Radio on WSFI Catholic Radio 88.5 FM. And we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Men of Christ Radio on WSFI 88.5 FM, Catholic Radio. For more information on this or any other radio program, visit wsfiradio.org or email info at wsfiradio.org. To learn more about the Men of Christ, visit menofchrist.net.